Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, it is Thursday. I had a week off, which I watched from afar and found out that you all were well taken care of. Hallelujah. I am back, and I'm glad to be back. I thank my team for being able to keep things going because I have a, a, a statement, a perspective, and my belief system is that a leader is never able to be evaluated until they're absent and the product of their leadership fills in. So if your church and your ministry falls apart when you're gone, you are not a good leader. You could be a better leader. Because clearly there's a disconnect between who you are and why they're with you. So I was excited because they were able to hold on, keep fast. But then Prophet Ashley, you know, I mean, after almost 20 years of holding on. (laughs) You know, I can honestly say I threw it in head first. And she hit her head on the bottom of the pool, found some floaties, and has been flapping ever since. And I'm yeah, you're right. You found a hard hat. Because you knew I was going to throw you in again, didn't you? I'm like, okay, so she did that well. Let's put a little more water, a little more depth. But I love training. I love leading the people of God. And I love training leaders, except that we have had, actually, over the years that we've been working at this, we've had such a poor representation and depiction of leadership. You know, and... I remember coming up, they're talking about leaders being born. And then as we got into the age of we don't care, let's tear down all institutions, we said, well, we can train leaders. No, you can train front runners. You cannot train a leader. You can train people to be out front. You can give them a clipboard. You can give them a schedule. We can give them some project tools and some project management tools. But that instinct, that gut instinct, you cannot give a person instinct. You cannot give them gut. You cannot give them courage. You cannot give them grit. You can't do it. And so we have had, that's an experiment that has failed. So all of you all PhDs out there and you all doctorates in, in leadership, you need to go back and revisit because what makes a leader are not external tools. Externality cannot make a leader. I don't know about you, but I think that is a really good thing. All of those exterior things don't make a leader. Those are resources, and you cannot transform someone by resources. All of the lectures, those lectures are resources. Training, resource. Schooling, resource. Um, um, What do you call it? Tools. 
pen, paper, electronics, all of those are exterior resources that will give you adequacy if you're not born to leadership, but it will give you exceptionality if you are a born leader. Now, you know, that's good. I got to stop. This is the first three minutes. And so what happens is when you decide that you can make a leader or make a person a leader using exterior tools and exterior resources, you actually shortchange your organization, but you also create a place for manipulation. You create a place for politics. You create a place for bias and sentimentality, because your measurements are based on what you supply and not what they bring to the position. Tell everybody, Dr. Price is handling leadership today. This pertains to secular or sacred church community. It does not matter, because they all use the number one asset in creation, and that's people. They all use people. And so you go to church, and because and, and, I'm dealing with church people today, bless me God, but I'm, you know, I'm expanding. But you go to church, and you look at, the, you, you, you meet your leaders, and you see people who can't answer questions. You see people who can't think. You see people who cannot render judgments. You see people who cannot render good assessments, cannot do evaluation, can't explain even the criteria of their position, and you wonder why they're in leadership. But they are in leadership because the person who installed them was interested in seeing their way outfitted on someone else. So these people are outfitted, but they're not infitted. They don't have the intrinsics. There is an attitude and a mind and a conversation that comes out of a born leader that all the training in the world cannot do, cannot prove, cannot duplicate. And the reason is because it's natural born. Now, we can talk about, you know, how they talk about nature and nurture. But you know what? Nature and nurture are, are, are not equals. We keep treating them like they are. But you must have a nature for, to be nurtured. Okay? Because you don't, you're not born with a nurture. You're born with a nature. So you have to have that. And then nature is the, is the fluctuating one, the most fluctuating one, the, the, the greatest variable. So how you nurture a singer is not how you nurture a, a, a surgeon. You see, you don't, they don't go the same way. The kid that can't stop drumming and the kid that cannot leave the microscope alone have two different nurturing paths. They're indicative of the nurturing path. So the idea that we can just, okay, I like you. I'm just going to put you in leadership over people. I'm just going to give you some books to read. First of all, poor Listen, poorly trained leaders will prove themselves by not being readers, and you've got to study. You notice that the, the less a person reads, the less they're developed, and especially when they're not interested in reading what we're assigning to them. So, and many of, many of us, you know, because we have that, uh, and Papa Ashley and I were talking about it yesterday, we have that taught a cop thing. You cannot catch what you're not born with, because let me tell you something. If you're not born with what's being thrown, it's a fly ball that's going to pass you. You're not even going to see it coming. It's not going to speak to you. And God wants to talk about leaders, and he wants to talk about what we call a leader and what he calls a leader. 
and so God does not start with empty equipment. We do. Or start with contradictory equipment. So you put a person in position because that's where you want them, but they cannot produce. The whole object of everything in the planet is reproduction. Every seed must bear fruit after its own kind. The, the, the born leader does not have more questions than answers, but the follower does. The followers have more questions than answers. How do you, well, why do you, well, how do I know, and whatever. They're, because leadership is innate. It's a nature. It is a natural constitution that views life from the position of solution and, and, and resolution and not simply issues and opportunities. See, a great leader is going to lead greatly whether you pay him or not. A trained leader is going to demand a return on what they consider to be their effort or investment. See, because good is good whether you pay it or not. Good doesn't turn bad because you just don't pay it. Now, they'll walk away. Good people will leave you because they won't waste their talent. They're just not going to waste their talent. They're not going to waste their experience or their expertise. But you need to understand, because, see, a lot of people aspire to leadership, and because you read all of those books and you read, watch those videos, and we've got the YouTube, we've got the Google, we've got the eHow, we've got all of these external tipsters to help you when you're there, but they don't make sense to you if you're not born to it. Now, this is a reversion back to the 70s. You know, yeah, I'm dating myself. I'm in. But this is going back to when life makes sense. Because many times you've got supervisors who are sitting there leaning on you, crying to you, and they're getting the paycheck because they, they postured themselves into that position, and the people that used them didn't care about their compatibility or their capability. And so you're now doing their job for no money. And they know it. That already tells you that you have an unjust person like this. You know, I don't know why I keep coming to you, because you know nothing. Because if you knew nothing, you'd be coming to me with something, if you knew anything about what you're called to do. But we, in this entire shift, going back from like the 50s up until now, this shift from truth, this shift from righteousness, this shift from position and accuracy, and, and, and moving from, the, from solidarity to fluidity, because that's the nature, that is the, the environment of everything. I don't care if it's church, family, business, marriage, nothing is solid. Solidarity is, is every day being decimated. It's now, uh, it's a joke, because we've moved from what is to what you feel. See, fluidity is about emotions, and solidarity is about intelligence, and it's about logic. So we are, you see, solidarity is solid for a reason. You can't just throw it around. But you know, you can do anything with water, anything with fluid. You can bottle it and then dump it. You can put a board in it and direct it this way and put another one and direct it another way. So our issue today in leadership is whether or not you are under solidarity or fluidity. Now, fluidity is vague. It's abstract individualized. It's, it, it's personified uh, 
but it is personified from a gelatinous perspective. You know, jello, gelatinous. Don't you all like this? And this is great. Hallelujah. Are you all sharing? Because some of you all have to understand, you didn't lose your job because you weren't good. You lost your job because you wanted solidarity and they wanted fluidity. You got, you got passed over because you were too solid. Is this speaking to some of you all out there? And so you walk away thinking you're a bad leader. You know, I only did what they told me to do. I did what the manual said. I did what the criteria told me. I did it that way, but they didn't want that. See, they want a, marsh- a marshmallow core around fluidity, around water, so that they can always squeeze it at the, at the whim, because, see, that's whimsy leadership. Fluidity allows for whimsy, and whimsy allows or permits bias and partiality. So then the people are more important, the, the existing people are more important than the endurance of the institution or its perpetuity down the line. Very important for us to start thinking differently because we keep saying we want solid leadership, but we have so drifted off the the pole, the the foundation of solidarity, that it's like being in the ocean. So we have oceanic leadership. You know, you and anything, that if you're stronger than what goes by, you eat. And if you're not stronger than what goes by, you're eating. And that's just how it is, because there is no, no boundaries. There's no hardness for you to grab hold to. That's why the rules change as people come in, and they use silly little things like, yeah, well, that's how you see it. Well, I prefer to see it as that's fluidity. And that is meant to benefit the occupants of those positions and not the institution or its production. Are you all having fun with me with this? See, because sometimes we have got to start calling this thing where it is. You keep asking God, what happened? I mean, what happened? What, and, and, and all those of us who've been around, around why don't we say, well, you know, it wasn't like that. What happened was solidarity became rejected. We began to hammer away at it and chip away at it. Institutions of solidarity, organizations, solidarity, constitutions of solidarity, and we've been chipping away at it, and we've also been trying to drench it with fluidity. Fluid leadership. See, I don't mind flexible. I can do flexible with you. I can do adaptable, but fluid, there's never been a time that water did not destroy everything. You sit underwater long enough, it's all the solidarity in the world, unless it's steel, and even that has a time, an erosion period, but I've never seen it. So what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world is that we've come out of head and we've gone into heart. We've come out of mind and we've gone into our souls. We've come out of intelligence and we've gone into inspiration. Motivation. So we can't fix this problem until we decide whether we want to pursue fluid leadership, fluidity leadership, fluid leadership principles, policies, practices, etc. Or do we want to go back and put some solidarity in there so that it can stand and withstand? See, water can't withstand a lot and stay still. A wind moves water. So where is this, Dr. Price? I'm not even sure if this is... Jesus talked about the parable of what to build your house on. 
And he said, when you build your house on sand, then you are affected by fluidity. Any wind, any tide, any shift will move you. And, you, and I'm going to go somewhere with that in a minute. But when you build it on a rock and you establish it or fix it to that foundation, no matter what happens, it will outlast and outlive. Every storm, every tide, etc. Maybe a little worse for the wear, sometimes a little better. So we have got to think about it. So when we think fluidity, we, uh, we, what is it? Let's look at the, me- the media. The media is fluidity. Let's look at the population. It's fluid. It's all about people. And they have conditioned you and crafted you for flu- fluidity or fluid leadership and fluid leadership policies and pa- uh, uh, principles by telling you you have to be concerned about what people think in a, in a climactic context, we're saying you need to be more concerned about the tides than the shore. You need to be more concerned about the storms than the beach or the water, wherever your water body is. So the bodies are considered people. And so you don't realize that little bit by little bit, power has been given to that which can't withstand, withstand or stand still. And so we are in this fluid, pat- this fluid pattern now. This is our mold. This is the mold that we're in. Anything about um, leadership, prestige, anything about prominence or preeminence has got to come from a movable foundation, a body of water. That's why it's not, it's not a uh, mistake that humanity is 70%, 80% water because we are bodies of water. And so all of that is, is what we move on. But if you're talking about what we produce, if we want something to last to the next generation, we're going to have to go to solidarity. So we're going to have to go to that skeleton. We're going to have to go to that infrastructure. We're going to have to go to that spine that's holding up everything. We're going to have to go to the material that those organs are made before we get caught up in the water that keeps them nourished and malleable. Does that make sense? Are you following me out there? Because, see, where I wish, if you're going to do a ministry today or any kind of institution today, you have to decide who reigns. And the way it is today, the people reign by emotional sentiment, nostalgia, and impulse more than anything else, and compulse. So you have to be, you can't do a good job, you've got to please people. You understand that that's the deterioration of a nation, that's the deterioration of an organization. When the people's pleasure and approval take precedence over excellence, over productivity, over all of the things that keep things going, you have a failed institution. Your organization will die because water dries up. You put enough heat on it, it dries up. And not only that, if it doesn't dry up, it shifts tides. It goes another way. And it goes another way. And, and the, the thing that, that you want is that we can sway. That you cannot sway an intelligent person. You cannot sway an educated, knowledgeable, knowledgeable person of the subject that you want to overcome or you want to eclipse. You can't sway that person because they're going to continue to talk about the facts, the information, the history, the trace, the proof, the validations, and all of that. They're going to keep coming at you with that. 
and you, that, that's frustrating when all you want to do is take them over. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imagination or imaginative arguments, bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ, being ready to fulfill all of the, all, all being ready to punish, let me get it right, being ready to punish all disobedience when you first your obedience is fulfilled. See, Jesus is the Logos, which means he is the logic of creation. He is the mind of God at work, not just the heart of God in feelings. So he's not just God's feelings. He's God's everything. But God started everything with logic and not sentiment. When you lay down a mat for anything, I'm going to design this, I'm going to build that, I'm going to make this or repair, you must start with its logic. But fluidity doesn't let you do that. Fluidity starts with sentiment. It starts with how you feel, how it makes you feel. What you, most of the buying, you realize billions of dollars are spent every day dictating your feelings so that you buy things foolishly and impulsively that you don't need. And not long after you bring it home, you don't want. See, feelings. But it made me feel good. There are a lot of things that make folks feel good that are still crimes. Why? Because criminality is not, it exploits feelings, but it operates on logic. It's an intelligence, and maybe not one that we can all understand, but there is an intelligence. So as you begin to think about leadership and you start thinking about the people you want to put in leadership, make sure that you don't find yourself enticed and bewitched or bedazzled by a charismatic personality who knows how to say all the right things and, and express all the right feelings with, and bring nothing to the job but emotionality. Make sure that you're not caught up in putting someone in position because you, you're symbiotic, because you get along with them, because they get you. Because there are a lot of things, you know, your repair man may not get you, but they can get your stuff fixed. You know, and all of that kind of feeling, well, I just need you to get me. Well, while we're getting each other, our purpose of being connected is being neglected. So you need, a, you need both but you need a hierarchy. You need that heart to soften that mind, but you need that mind to harden that heart. Because there is a firmness that you must have to ride out the trials of life, no matter how, how much their blows break your heart or even plunder your soul. You need that. So if you're, going, if you're a leader and, and, and you, you put somebody in place who is all about a feeling, you're not going to get guidance. You won't get advice or counsel. You will get experience. And everything will be about an experience. And experience will be very biased because it's going to be that leader's personal experience. Well, why did you choose that? Well, when I looked at this and I looked at that, okay, so then that's how you felt. Now, next month, next year, you may feel differently or see something differently. So we need to have a matter of a, a, a healthy balance of the two. You have to have leaders who are born to lead. And that brings me to another thing. If you 
do best. I'm, I'm not saying that you fail. I will not say that because there are some people who are good, uh, who are good students and they will implement that education and they will continue to replicate it and continue to do it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until they retire. But your company won't grow. Your ministry won't grow. Ideas won't come out of that. Solutions won't come out of it. Innovations won't come out of it. Why? Because they are wired to do what they are programmed to do. So you want to make sure that you have a leader and that and you have to ask yourself if you're indeed a leader. Because a lot of people aspire to leadership, but you're not a leader. You aspire to because of the prestige, because people do what you say, because you have some privileges and, and, and you like the prominence. You like to be out front. You like to be able to jump to the front of the line. All of those are sentiments. So that's emotional leadership. That's effective. It's, it comes out of that effective domain, and you're ignoring that cognitive. So you are an emotional leader. And so if you like somebody, they're in and they're blessed and all the way to the top. And if you dislike them, they're out. And you begin to wage a subtle psychological warfare against them. And if they, by any means, insult your leadership, assault your decisions, assault or insult your, your style, they're gone. That's why you have such turnover. How do we get here today as a people, as a country, where the, the workforce utterly mistrusts management? Because we put trained leaders in who had no instinct for the people's responses or reactions to what they did. So they are people because they did their training. Stay on point. Stay on the goal. Stay on your path. Do, you know? Keep work the plan. Don't veer off point. Meanwhile, you forgot your asset was not a not a, a, a vacuum cleaner. It was not a car or vehicle. Your asset was a human being who was reacting to you. But by virtue of your position, they didn't tell you that you were crushing them, and they stayed as long enough to get from under that weight because you're you're, you're trained. You do your training. That's, uh, how many of you have been under leaders that don't, uh, they, they don't even have a clue about anything but the book, the clipboard, and the communications? No other awareness at all. They don't even know how to look in your eyes to see that they just cut you, and that cut is going to cause you to leave. They can't even look in there. They can't discern your attitude. They can't, they can't even tolerate you giving any feedback because they can't tolerate being judged and assessed by what they think is beneath them. So you can't speak your mind. You can't say any of those things. And so here you are, borderline cruel, because it's not a malicious thing, but it's still cruel, see? So here you are, borderline cruel, because you are focusing on what your training taught you only. And many times, technique leadership, because that's what I call a technical leadership, many times technical leadership that's based on various training techniques will get, is great for something that is repetitive, something that's redundant. But something that is variable, something that's flexible, something that is going to be bound to adaptability, you're going to need a, a natural leader because a lot of those shots are called by instinct because training all the training books in the world will never have all of the points and all of the instincts. 
And that's one of the things that's easy. You can train people's intent. You can train their, their intelligence, but you can't train instinct. They either bring that to the position or they don't. You know this is good, don't you? You know this is necessary. So you start getting all excited because people come to you inspired. And so as a matter of because they're inspired, they're coming on their emotions, but they're not coming with the instincts that you need. And you throw them in a battle, throw them in a hard time, throw them in a trial. I'm telling you, they're going to like, I'm not feeling it. All of a sudden, they stop feeling what they sold themselves on. I'm not feeling that. I feel that this is beyond my scope. I feel that this is beyond my depth. I feel that it's time for me to move on. They came in on a feeling, and they're sailing out on a feeling. Meanwhile, and you're trying to talk logic. You're trying to talk loyalty. You're trying to talk diligence. You're trying to talk conscientiousness and, and discipline, and they're not hearing any of that because it doesn't congeal with their feelings. So people come and they say all kinds of things to me like that, and I'm, I'm still listening for something that's, that's solid. I don't mind that, you know, we need the, the water to wash down the wall, but we do need the wall. Otherwise, we're just playing in the wind. So we do need that, but we need the water to wash down the wall. We don't need the water to saturate it and drench it to the point that it's full of cracks and it loses its strength. Right now, the, you're all really are disturbed about what's grieving you about the climate of today is that it's too fluid and that there's no place for solidarity at all and that the fluid keeps storming and spraying the solid because its job is to weaken it and eventually crumble it. So you have to decide as you go forward, even in your business, you know, why are we having people? I'm, I'm stunned at the ugly tattoos I have to now look at in stores. That's like being compelled to a bad museum. I feel like this is bad art. You know, just because a person has a, a tattoo doesn't mean the artist was good. And I'm sitting there in a store. I, I, I'm in an a office. Where am I? Where was I? Miami. I'm in an office a depot, an office max. And this woman has this ugly-looking dragon with angels and camera. I'm thinking, well, why do I have to look at that? I go to museums to see that. Now, I have to deal with it on the street. Now I've got to go in institutions. Why? Fluidity. Fluid leadership. And I said, these companies need to realize that we should have a decent animal. You've got a wonderful store, and you've got people with bad art, and I'm stuck on looking at a, 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 a tattoo that is so abhorrent that I want to take and give the product back. And I'm thinking, why do I have to, why are you showcasing that to me? I don't need that, but fluid leadership. Why are we, did anybody notice that now all of the free, uh, all of the, uh, what do you call them, female servers are all with yoga pants? And then they clean off the table and put their behind in your face. Fluid leadership. So it's now, it's about the person who screams emotionally and not about the intelligent who thinks it through. I said, okay, so when did we get there that now you, you feel like you're in some sort, you two steps from a, I'm, I'm ready for you to pull out a pole. 
these, these women are that sleazy. And I'm thinking, but why, when is it that you can force the consumer into your, your, your worker's culture? I thought deceit fluidity. That's not solidarity. That's fluidity. Well, they'll get mad and leave. That's, well, they won't like it. But, you know, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. They still leave. They just go elsewhere and do the same thing. You have to go far and wide to see solidarity. Piercings all over the place. And I'm thinking, but I, why do I have to pay to see that? Why do I have to be paid and be compelled to that? Because your company is, doesn't have the guts and the grits to stand up and say, but my customers need to choose whether or not they want to do that. If I want to go and see that, then I'm going to go to the mall, which is already bad enough. Help me, Jesus. But you're sitting down at a restaurant, and they're, bringing your, they're giving you food with this aberrant art all over their arms. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Their choices are horrible. Their messages are terrible. And half of them, they look bad because the colors are bad. I was like, sis, you should not, baby. You, that wasn't your color. Culture needs fluidity. Constitution does not. So we have gone from constitution, and I don't mean just written on paper, but the constitution of the beings and the people that are working, we've gone from that to culture. And culture is always controlled by spirits and always controlled by spirits in this world who want to have their way. We're still, here we are, 2018, still talking about down with the institution. Why? And I, I, I can tell you it's unfortunate when you don't have, because if you had natural-born leaders, they would have known we were getting this way. But you had, we switched them out, and we started getting trained leaders, and we started giving MBAs just because you can afford the tuition. And then people start, and making the, the, those three letters, the, the pinnacle of quality, business, skills, aptitude, and leadership. These people got an A on the paper and cannot say ABC in your job. So now that brings me to something else that I have, um, that, you know, I'm having my blast right now. They all right with me? I'm like, tell your friends, this you need to understand because your church is falling apart on fluidity. That is why your church is so cultural. That is why you're sitting up there with singers looking like hookers. That is why you're sitting up there with, with, with males looking like females. See, because fluidity. We got here because we, we overhosed the Constitution. We overdrenched it. We saturated it because the whole idea was as a tidal wave, we wiped it out. You know, when, we, when you see the tsunami and all of those cyclones, they wipe out solidarity. Why? Because they, they, they obviously amass great power and great force from the winds of sin. You have to, you have to offer those things. So we go and um, you, you go to these churches and they are all fluid. It's all about a feeling. It's all about experience because experience is fluid. It's all about experience. It's all about, you know, whether or not I like this, you know, the song and this, it, it, I, I feel the song, but do you feel the Christ? Most of you have never felt Jesus Christ. It's like Balaam had never prophesied by the Most High God. Never. Can you imagine? Like the people under Saul never had the ark. They never had true religion. 
They never had the true faith. They never had the covenant of their God. Because the ark was taken under Eli. David rose to power without the ark. And God didn't say anything until he got a David. He didn't care about Saul. He knew Saul was, a, uh, was fluid. He knew Saul was the wind of the people. He, he offered the wrong sacrifice because the people pushed him. But if, I mean, come on, if Samuel was coming, he would come. So if you read your Bible, you'd know what I was talking about. But if not, just key up the names and you can get the story. So Samuel took a long time coming. He stepped out of his order and his place, and he stepped into the place of the priest. And he offered up a sacrifice that God spurned. And as a result, God knew it was only a matter of time before he would spurn Saul. Sent Saul on the wall. Saul goes with the people, fluid. Where the people wanted to take fluid leadership. The book of Judges is the greatest biblical model of fluid leadership. Every man does what's right in their own eyes. And I could add in parenthetically or parenthetically at the time because fluid leadership is never stable. It's always changing. It's moving. We're going to do this this week. Okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do this this week. Okay, we're not doing that anymore. Okay, well, we're going to do it this way. Well, we're going to go back and do it the first way. And we do that because they do it because they don't have any root, no anchors, no pillars. Nothing institutional, nothing constitutional, nothing stabilizing speaks to them. They hate it. They call it boring. Fluid leadership is it's always boring because it's about the next excitement. It's about the next enthusiastic thing that they can come up with. But they, they will tell you, these are the people who will tell you, we're not legalistic, so we're different. You go in churches and they're sitting there kicking around beach balls in church. We were reading on, the, on the, what was it, Ashley, we were reading? What church was that? They were baptizing people with a slide and an amusement oh, yeah. thing from the balcony. See, that's fluid leadership. You go there, and you, uh, I was going past the church around the corner. One of the, uh, and I'm looking at all of these people coming out with tight, coochie-cutter shorts on, crotch all in elastic bands, and you're saying that's God. No, that's about the people. I'm telling you, uh, that thing was two steps on the phone. Why? Because the people like it. And the millennials only know fluid leadership. So churches are converting to their limited, confined knowledge as if they're setting a standard. They don't know solid leadership. They don't know strength. They just know feeling. And this particular era is devoid of strength, of any kind of fortitude, any kind of rectitude. Don't have it. They do not have it. And they don't have it because they drenched the walls, drenched the, the, the pillars, and then blew the roof off. And now people are standing in a campground, you know, theoretically, but they're standing in a field calling it the church. We don't need buildings. You need buildings for everything else. You need a building for your bank. You need a building for your job. 
You need a building for your clinic. You need a building for your hospital. You need a building for your school. Nobody is talking about, well, we're just all going to just not have that. I don't even care if we get to the point that everything is online. I'm telling you, the people running online will have buildings. They could, talk, they could tell you it's a cloud. It's not a cloud. It's a wire that's running through the air into a building. So that whole idea, well, we want the church without walls. Are you kidding me? Go to work without walls. They call you a construction worker. And when the elements hit to you, are upset. And you can get danger. Buildings protect. Buildings deflect. Buildings shield. See, you, you get caught up in groundless rhetoric. Just groundless rhetoric. Just somebody said, wouldn't it be nice if we just put this out? We'll just tell them that they want the church without walls. Well, let me just tell you something because I am, I sat in all these high things. There are people who make this decision for you and then throw it out there to see which ones of you buy it and which ones don't. Nothing is some sort of a peopleless abstract inspiration. There is always inspiration that is that, that is capturing and deciding where things are going to go next. And so here you are, preachers around the world, don't know why you're saying it, but yeah, we went to church without walls. Yeah, well, we want the, we, we don't want the regular church. You, did you ever realize that that is what we had? That's what God built? And devils want to take it out? And he's weaponizing God's own people and their immaturity and gullibility to do it. I mean, you're like, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but Satan's weapons is God's Christians. Who's fighting organization? Who's fighting structure? Who's fighting stability in the body of Christ more than God's people? Well, that's just legalistic. How do you know? You got a law degree. You don't know. You just picked it up. Somebody told you, you bought it, and you built your whole institution around it because they, you bought into the experience. Yeah, that's right. Nobody should tell us what to do. They call that rebellion. Did you ever realize that it was rebellion? It's not liberty. Much of what we call liberty is, is what God calls rebellion, which is at the center of witchcraft. And you know what's rising and what rose while, while the church was rebellious? Witchcraft. And so you all have been bewitched by devils who have put their people or infiltrated God's kingdom and God's leadership with their people. And then here we are at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God really say, I mean, did he really say that we should be, that, we, that modesty is this? I had women sitting there with your boobs hanging out, your, your pants slapped around your behind, and you're sitting there talking about, well, how is this not modest? Why? Because, because, the solidarity, the solid truth was washed over and drenched, drowned by fluidity. So we started making you feel bad because you were holy and make you feel bad because you don't want to sleep around and make you feel bad because you want to be like Jesus Christ. And that's humiliating to you. It's humiliating because the world doesn't do it, which is why you were in the world to help them find out. Fluidity. People-led leadership, people being the masses, and the masses being fluid as bodies of water, and masses being able, what did, what did uh, uh, Paul write in, in uh, Ephesians 4, what did he say? Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And wind, because he's letting you know that 
when fluidity is in power, devils may send all kinds of winds to change what is and what's God to what Satan wants. And God's people help. Jesus said, he said, my folks going to help out call Satan a lot. He said, you are, there's going to come a time, y'all going to think that those of you who kill saints are doing God a favor. Wind of change. So when you think about it, and we're talking about leadership, and leadership's important, um, I always say uh, to my team, I said, God has leaders because he created tons of followers so that we'd all be prepared to follow him in his world. See, following is not a physical thing. It is a heart thing. It is an emotional thing. So I'm not, a, I'm not one to preach that doctrine that the heart's a terrible thing and the brain is excellent or the brain is horrible and heart's the way to go. I'm telling you, God is about a just weight. And he's about sound judgment. And sound judgment can only come from sound counsel. And sound is not something, when we call something sound, we call it solid. We call it strong. We call it balanced. So as we go forward, we have to figure that out. So now let's get back to the leadership. How do you know? I mean, Dr. Price, how do you know? I mean, because people say a lot of things. I mean, first of all, most companies, I'm amazed at how many companies have people who don't know their job, and they get paid every week. And you know why? Because fluidity says that they have to have something that the population's approved of to get rid of it. Because popular opinion and populist approval has become the rule of everything in this society. Popular, the people, populist people, just in case you didn't know, popular is about people. And so now we don't have, and, 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 it, and it's all people. You know, it's like, I don't really, it doesn't make a difference if you're educated, not educated, if you're experiencing that or not, if you even agree or you disagree. It's all about what you like and dislike. Agreement, not so much. Like and dislike. So the census goes out on all of the people who like what you're doing and who and the ones who don't. Now, why is that an issue? Because somebody is stoking the flames of both. So who is fanning the flames of dislike and discontent? Because nothing happens in this planet without a person. I don't care what it is, the first person. Salvation needed a person. They needed Jesus Christ to impersonate a sinner. Because he came and he impersonated himself. He impersonated himself as a sinner. It was an impersonation. He had to impersonate sin so that God could send him to hell and bring him back as a righteous man and not just the righteous God. So you didn't realize that. So Jesus came because he said he came in the form of a man. didn't say he came as a man. He came in the form of a man. When you read the passages, they tell you quite a bit, but you do have to read them. So if you're going to decide that you want solidarity and not just fluidity, and that you want to put them in their, in their proper places, because you know solidarity comes up out of fluidity, so we can always bring it back home, then you're going to have to come up with what a born leader thinks, does, what constitutes a natural-born leader. And then the difference between 
a natural born leader and an aspiring leader because we have a lot of aspirants out there. They're aspiring to leadership. So you want to do that. You want to spend some time just doing that. Do your homework. You don't always have to be taken by surprise. You don't always have to be blind decided before you come into it. You don't always have to have the blows of failure and embarrassment before you come to the knowledge of the truth. You could use initiative. You can get out in front of that thing. So you have to decide that. So this is what a natural leader does, thinks, whatever. And trust me, people intuitively know. All preachers know intuitively. They don't know. They can't tell you how. Often they can't give you the language. But they know intuitively who is a natural leader and who doesn't know what they're doing. I may not know his job. I may not know her job description, but I want you to know they're bad. How can they say that? Because there's something instinctual in them. Because true leaders inspire confidence, but they also inspire zeal. And they do something else that's so powerful that we don't think about. Natural leaders inspire hope. See, this hopeless environment is telling us something very serious. Because they inspire hope, they, and, and they bring hope alive. This hopelessness in, in people, the hopelessness in, in every area of our life, everything is hopeless. Movies are hopeless. You know, every time you go, every, and nobody wins. And if anybody wins, it's the devil, it's the doom, it's the de- destroyer. And that is, listen, that is tactically and strategically designed to make sure that you live in fear every day. You spend millions of dollars to buy fear. You buy fear in wholesale prices. Oh, I go to everything that's out there. You watch every movie. You watch movie after movie tell you marriages don't work. So what do you do? You expect your marriage to fail. You watch movies after movies to tell you that being a parent is the worst thing going or that your kids are smarter than you. And so what do you do? You don't expect to be a parent to your child. You go out there all the time. You listen to songs that constantly curse you out, constantly call you stupid, constantly sell the base and the bottom side of life, and then you say, I don't know why I can't rap. Your very appetites have been programmed to fail and to desire failure and to love being a failed person who is afraid of everything. This entire culture has crafted you to not want the best. You can even even the product, even we have got to a point, even your product, you go buy something and three weeks is dead, it's gone. And you know, well, what are you gonna do? Resignation, you resign yourself to Satan's destruction of your land and your family and your home life and your country, and you resign yourself to it because you're like, well, what you going to do? Why? Because you have trained leaders who cannot rise above the status quo to bring you hope. And I'll tell you something. No matter where you go in the country, where you go in the world, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this, we are in a situation where sick hearts are outnumbering healthy hearts. And broken hope and disappointment has become the order of the day. And, it, and, and now it's treated as if we have to figure out how to survive today's disappointment and then brace ourselves for tomorrow's disappointment and then gear up for next year's disappointment. And so what do we do? We fall into what? Anesthetization, you start to anesthetize yourself. I'm going to drink, 
I'm going to do drugs, I'm going to do sex, I'm going to do abuse, I'm going to pervert, I'm going to steal. You've got to do something with that inflamed disappointment that won't ever go away because your hope is broken. You know, the Bible tells us as Christians, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. And you know, we hear the hope of eternity. He didn't say hope of eternity. We hear the hope of heaven. He didn't say hope of heaven. He said the hope of glory. And when you study it, when you study what he's talking about, it's the hope of victory, the hope of success. It's the hope of triumph. It's the hope of breakthrough. It's the hope of providence and the hope of provision. That is what he's talking about. He, if God wants us to get saved and then <clears throat> go to heaven, then he doesn't need a thing called destiny. He doesn't need purpose. Because all that will stop on one line. Purpose. Get born. Get born again. Done. Okay. That's it. <clears throat> destiny. Move from the world <clears throat> until the church, until eternity. If that was what he was going after, <laughs> that's what we would have. That's not it. There's no reason to leave you on the planet if he doesn't have a plan. You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Well, I'm just going to leave you all there until, well, until it times out. Timing out. I don't know. Something. So your body gets old and rotted, and meanwhile, you're frustrated? No. No. Your children are in psychological therapy and treatment right now because of the, in, the, the subtle and insidious infiltration of the education system with hopelessness. You are going to your therapist because your hope has been destroyed. Because when it's all said and done, disappointment, and disappointment is hope unfulfilled, hope deferred, hope mis- misapproved, hope maligned, Hope misrepresented. You go and buy a whole new outfit. Go into debt with the hope that it's going to make you stand out. You go and you find seven other people have that outfit. And you don't want to stand out with seven other people. You want to stand out alone. And so what do you do? You get disappointed. And you get angry with yourself because you spent all of that money needing others to approve you through an outfit. Help me. Because somebody is always churning out hopelessness in hope-filled packages. Always. You're going to have to deal with your hope factors because that which you put your hope in is that which will consume you, and it becomes the shock collar of everything else that you do so that you can, in the end, enjoy the hope, not just the fruits of your labor, because a lot of people have the fruits of their labor, but it still doesn't give them what they hoped for. So you have a big house, and you have a lot of money, that's fine, but your hope is still dangling out there. Yeah, but that's not why we started this. Yeah, but that's not why we, no, we, we had other things in mind. And as you pursue it, that, that hopeful package begins to, to uh, shrivel up and begins to deteriorate, and you get to realize, oh, man, I was chasing a pipe dream. I was chasing this because somebody told you hope. hope. I mean, you think about people who go 
all, and they spend all of this time trying to chase down this celebrity or that celebrity, thinking that a touch from them is going to fulfill your hope. Come on, somebody. You've been told a bill of goods. Half of them don't even want you to do that. They don't even do it. But you have got to get to a point that you understand that even before all else, all else that can happen, the natural leader is going to trigger hope. The false leader will trigger enthusiasm, and you'll think it's hope. They'll trigger excitement, and you'll think it's hope. But then by the time you go in deeper and deeper, you find out the excitement wanes, the enthusiasm dissipates, and what you thought you were able to trust is truly untrustworthy. When you do your other thing other than hope, you have to figure out once we decide what a leader looks like and what uh, an aspirant to leadership looks like and where they differ, where they overlap, because there's some overlap, and where they're similar, then you have to decide that in terms of your situation, what about what you're doing deserves a quality leader. Sometimes you have the leader you have all you deserve, and you need to find out why did I deserve a bad pastor? Why did I deserve a bad mentor? What did it, what about me deserved that? Because God's a just God, and nothing gets past him. You know why do I keep getting bad supervisors? I don't know. What are you doing in terms of your own attraction? Because everything that's in you emits and attracts, emits and attracts. And the more fluid you are, the more that you will admit what the populace says is so. Or you'll have those conversations. Some of you all have not had an original thought in 20 years. All your thoughts have been contrived and manipulated by the fluid leadership, and I won't even say structure, I'll just say containment. You have, you, you ever had a, a little thought? I love it when people say, well, I just, I dress like this because this is my style, is it? So did you make it? No. Where'd you get it from? The store? Did they only have one? Well, I, they have others, but it's how I put it together. No. The only thing that makes your attire original is the structure of your body. It doesn't look the same on you the way it looks on someone else. That's the end of your originality. That's why they can make so many thousands of them. And how many times have we seen something that just looks, boy, girl, that dress, now I've seen that dress on three people, but it has never done. Yes, because you have the structure that matched the designer's intent and vision. And then you see it on five more people and not even notice it. This is wisdom. Um, I'm in the middle of developing a wisdom course, so you all are probably going to be drowning in wisdom for a while. Because, you know, when I'm in a course, you all have to get it. So I'm in the middle of developing uh, a wisdom course because we have to understand that wisdom is the principal thing, and yet we make it the last thing that people learn. Maybe because wisdom comes from lessons. Could be that, you know, lesson learned. So you want to make sure that, and when you're appointing a leader, make sure it's the right person for the right thing, at the right time and for the right reasons. You cannot just say, I'm going to put somebody in leadership because they're there. If you've got a church of three people and two of them in leadership, you're probably not ready to have a church. So now you're out there making yourself a leader for all of the wrong reasons. 
I don't want to submit to anyone else. I think I can do it as good as so-and-so. I don't want anybody else to tell me what to do. I want people to pay my bills. There's a whole lot of reasons why you got a lot of these small churches out here that have nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. And then you go to them, and you, the reason you are there is because you agree with them. You, I don't want to be in a big church. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want, I don't, okay? But God is shifting the leadership like you have not believed. He is really shifting the leadership back to solidarity. He's sending it back to constitutionality. I know we don't think so, but I'm telling you, that is what he's doing. And the fluidity, he's blowing a hot wind on, and it's going to dry up. You can mark my word, and that is so. Well, Prophet, I had fun. Did you have fun? Did they have fun? Yes, Mhm. Well, I guess the rest of the team can come. We got them some some new chairs. Yes. Got them some higher chairs. I've been fussing about it for a while, so finally I had to be gone for Prophet Ashley said, "Hey, we need higher chairs." Oh no, I had been thinking it, but then we had them right in our own well backyard. Yeah, our yard. We have. You got stuff. I guess my prophet deal will be drifting down um, shortly. But you, ooh, you got some stuff. Yes. <laughs> you got something to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we do that, tell them about Joliet. Yes. And where, uh, and where else I'm going to be. Yes. And then we'll let her repeat it later. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's see. Next Wednesday, we will be, well, we're leaving next Wednesday. Next Friday and Saturday in Joliet, Illinois at Antioch Christian Assembly. I always want to put worship in there because we have worship in our own church. Anyway, with Apostle Nona Parker, Dr. Price is going to be doing prophetic ed in Joliet. You do not want to miss it. You can key it up on uh, Eventbrite. You can go to uh, Apostle Nona Parker. I believe it's ApostleNonaParker.com and also get registration information. It is always a powerful time when we are there. Mm -hmm. After that, we will be traveling to Georgia and Dr. Price will be on the Majesty Now show. If you want to be a part of the live studio audience, Prophet D, I know she's going to send an email out with that information. I'm going to post it on Dr. Price's Facebook. She might post it on the website as well. Where you can be a part. It is, um, it's not in Atlanta. It's not close to Atlanta, as we discovered. It's closer to... Strike Atlanta. Yeah, so it's not Atlanta. Who we'll has the address there. She may have it here. Uh, where we will be in Georgia on the 21st, Tuesday, August 21st, in the morning, 11 a.m., Dr. Price will be going live on the Majesty Now show, which airs on the Impact Network. Yes. If you want to be a part of the audience, you need to get there between 10.15 a.m. and 10.50 a.m. The doors close at 10.55. No children, please. No pets. Don't, don't bring on the yeah, okay. It's on the website. No children, no pets. All right? They make noise. And, you know. I didn't know I was going to have an audience. You know, I love audience. Yes, I that means you today. all get to give me questions. Right. I'll get to pray and if people want to contribute, you know, we have to be jewel and be dazzled. Yeah, dress me up nice. Dr. Price, nice for nice. this. So if you want to, do they, uh, where would they put that if they wanted to do that? Through the television giving or since this is for TV, you know? Uh, no, they can use the regular sow a seed okay. on drpaulaaprice.com. Um, and you can just make a note when you're sowing that seed there for her wardrobe. Yeah. Don't you want her to look fly? Do you all want me to look fly? Mm-hmm. All right, because, you know, I got to get stuff. 
but don't miss it. Come at, we don't know the where. You probably, who is? Waycross, I think it's yeah, Waycross. I think so. Waycross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Waycross, Waycross, Georgia. Okay. We'll put it up today on drpolyface.com and then we'll put it on your social media. We'll put it on your website mm-hmm. page, your Facebook page and all that so that you guys will know how to participate. You want to come because I'm going to have fun and I am great with audiences. She's doing two shows. I'm doing two shows. Yes. Oh, yes. Really? Yes. Oh, so that means I have to be double bejeweled. That's right. So we I'm going to need a double bejeweled. twofold thing happening with that. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, your family. I've learned that if I come to my family, things happen. Okay. And for five years, things have happened. So if I sound like I'm a little bit dependent and, and trusting of you, that is why. Because <laughs> you all keep making me look great. Feel great. Okay. And present the king greatly. Join me there in Waycross. Make sure you watch your your notifications so that you come. I'm going to have a blast. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm already going to have a blast. We're going to have a blast. And I never stay in my seat, so you're going to love me. Amen. Amen. I might stay in my seat this time. Now, you depends on how you're wired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. When you're wired, I get so frustrated. Yeah. I know. You do that on You like that, don't you? No. <laughs> you like to let you free. I like to because I like to pray for the people and, and talk to you and, and then talk to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have a blast. I'm telling you. It might keep me locked out for a minute, but don't worry about it. I have ways. <laughs> She's very resourceful. I really am. And determined. Ah, yes. So that's what I'm doing. Those are my most um, upcoming Joliet, I'm talking about prophetic ed. Now, I need you all to make your way there. Here's what's important. I'm going to show you how to not only manifest your ministry and manifest your prophetic, but discharge your office and monetize your mantle. Because whether they tell you, see, let me tell you about Dr. Price. You know, Dr. Price is over the show. I'm going to tell you about me. They cannot hurt my feelings because I don't want to be a poor prophet. Hello. I'm not going to be offended. Because you know what's offensive? Homelessness. Absolutely. You know what's offensive? <laughs> Repossession. Well, what? that's offensive. That will hurt you more than you feel. Okay. You know what's offensive? Not being able to meet your needs. But the most offensive thing is not being able to make full proof of your ministry. Woo! So I'm going to tell you right now. So before you all start, because right, you know you guys are writing me about that's a money problem. You, got a, you probably a money worker right now. Aren't you at your job? Nobody tells you you're a money employee. Oh, you always trying to collect your paycheck. Every time we turn around, you want to get paid. You want insurance. You want coverages. <laughs> you know? And then you need a job because they don't pay you enough. I mean, come on. Ooh. You should be grateful. You should be yeah. thankful. Nobody ever castigated you for being an employee. I'm an employee of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I am employed by the Godhead. That is my job. It is my job to be employed. And just like you expect God to pay you a salary on your job through a company, you know he's going to pay us. We direct. We're his immediate staff. See, we need to kill some devils. I'm killing some. Do you all hear? Make up for last week not being it. That's right. So I don't care what you're, your pastor, the very pastors who preached it wanted you to pay them a salary. Now, is that unjust or is that unjust? You cashing in a salary, you got retirement, you got benefits, you got all of that. And just because we give the spontaneous word of God and you give the prepared word of God, you should get paid and we shouldn't. 
I need you to know I tell that devil in Jesus' name. I curse that thing at the root in Jesus' name. I uproot that out of the soul of the church. I uproot it out of every doctrine. I uproot it out of every teacher. I uproot it out of every missionary. I uproot it out of every pastor in the name of Jesus, every evangelist. I uproot that lie. That is a lying devil, and it's an impoverishing spirit because the devil doesn't want to pay us because our mantles generate funds. Their mantles collect them. We are the ones that do everything God does. He does. He starts with a prophet. And prophets have been from the time immemorial, from way back to Abel to now, been how God funnels providence and, re- and revenue into the planet. That is what we do. And, and, the, and you all are walking around here talking about, I wish I could just really serve God full time, but, you know, I, I got to have a job. You got to have a job because you're not monetizing your mantle. Because your job is to be a, a spokesperson for the Godhead. That is your job. That's your first calling. That's your first job. And don't tell me God can't afford you. If God can afford the unsaved, and if God can afford the, the employed, and if God can afford, afford businesses and business empires, he can certainly afford you. We just need to know how to get it out of him. And I do get it out of him. I'm going to get some more out of him. <laughs> so don't ever say that to me. Because I'm going to tell you, I need you to be pink slip. If you say that to me, I will pink slip you. And I'll show you my power. <laughs> don't say that to me. Don't ever say that. You don't want to sell, keep it to yourself. But I'm going to tell you something. If you can get a blessing giving prophets water, how much more giving them a seed? Wow. If you can quench your thirst and God say he's going to give you a prophet's reward. Hmm. How much more when you enrich our lives for the gospel? Well, I just know prophets that mess up. I know pastors that mess up. I know pastors, messy pastors right now. As a matter of fact, I've not seen a news report on a prophet that messed up. I've seen no news reports on pastors who messed up. Including this week. Exactly. Thank Brother Hyde. Yeah. Yeah, the seeker friendly guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sick as well. It became unfriendly. Let me <laughs> Holy Jesus. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you understand? <laughs> okay. It's Jesus. See, you all don't know. Y'all are still doing your pastor's Jesus. See, we got Pastor Jesus, and then we got we've got your pastor's Jesus. But Jesus is his own person, and this man. It's not just about the congregations that he goes through on Sunday. He's got to rule the planet, and he's got to provide everything. Now, if he said, I'm going to feed the lions in the Serengeti, you know good and well he's going to take care of us. I watch them boys, you know, every year they get the flock, flock of plantains for the salmon and all of that kind of stuff. And we supposed to, you know, God is a God of abundance. He likes hordes and things like that. What God doesn't like is sin. And let me tell you, some poor folks sin just as well as rich folks. <laughs> Sometimes poor sin is worse. a little worse. Sometimes. <laughs> we got poor sin. Poor sin and rich sin. Right. Yeah. And then we got, you know, middle income sin. <laughs> But you have got 
to stop letting Satan talk you into poverty and then maligning the character of your God. He got psychics making all of this money and prophets going broke. The devil is a liar. Dr. Price said it. I am not doing it. Yes, I am. Tell me I'm supposed to prosper. My job is not only my own well-being and my own wealth, but my people's as well. Because, see, they got to go make money so they can go get somebody else blessed and on and on and on. Stop it. Everything God does. Write it down. Facebook, Periscope, YouTube. Write it down. Everything God does, he starts with a prophet. Just because they're uncelebrated prophets does not mean that they do not possess the prophet spirit. Sugar pot. You know, when I get like that, he just becomes a honey man all over again. Good. So I'm telling you right now, you can, all these years, you sit there and have an offering, but I ain't giving no prophet no money because I don't like the way they call numbers. So when you go to Walgreens and they call a number, you're all right. You you spend two thirds of your week with people calling numbers out of your pocket. Oh yeah. And you know what you do? You pray to God to put some more in there. Now I personally don't like that system. That's a personal issue. I cannot say that it's something God and I really got in depth. I don't. But then if I need it, I'm gonna tell you. If I need twenty grand, I'm gonna tell you I need twenty grand. I'm not gonna tell you. Let the Lord use you. Because, see, the way you interpret God using you and the way I interpret God using you in this instance could be different. Could be different. Usually is. Okay? Why? And those of you who are prophets, what are you doing? And those of you all who work with your prophets, what are you doing? I'm telling you, as surely as Jesus is Lord, there's no precedent. The Bible says he who preaches the gospel should eat from the gospel. Yeah, that's what he said. That's Bible. So I don't know where this is coming from, but you know, this comes from parents, from pastors that don't want you to get, take that money out of that church. And that's okay. I understand that defense thing. That's fine. But it's up to you. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. So the more you know God, the less this nonsense bothers you. It bothers you because you don't know God enough to know what his feelings are. You don't know God enough to know whether or not he's going to judge you or bless you. I do. I know. He's a sugar and he's going to bless me. I've already been through judgment class <laughs> a couple of times. Levels one. And got not one social promotion. Not one. Yeah. I had to finish the whole course. Yeah. Yeah, they both. Yeah. But I love this man, and I'm telling you, you want to join me. See, I just gave you a sample of next week. You know, and then those of you all, as soon as you find out you're a prophet, you quit your job. Don't do that. Increase your income. Don't decrease it. Okay? Stay. Stay. <laughs> you need it. You need the blessing. And until God calls you out, go ahead on and enjoy what God will do. But I'm going to teach you how to do this. And it's not going to be about manipulating God's people and gimmicks and games. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do it. That's not anything that, thank God, is not put upon me. Because I don't have to do that. So I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm going to teach you how to help people's prophecies come to pass. I'm going to teach you how to help them benefit from the word of the Lord. I'm going to teach you how to help them move out into the realm of the prophetic and get into its resources and its providences. So you do want to join us next Thursday? Friday. Next Friday. You don't have to get it right. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I don't do. No. But next Friday and Saturday, I want to teach you that, and I want you to come and bring your Listen, bring your peers, bring your colleagues, bring your team. You know, I taught them how to get tuition. 
Yes. I was like, oh, no, you don't know. You, you're not getting put out of school for no money. Now we got to do something else. And the Holy Ghost shows you how to make that happen. He wants that. So bring your teams. Bring those people who are, if, you have, if you're a business person and you need to figure out how to break the seal on, on economy. See, I went through it the hard way because I have to be the fountainhead. But you don't have to. It could be pretty quick, pretty quick, you know, because God's still a person. We got to love him like a person, you know. He said, don't be loving me like a machine. You love me like a person. Yeah. So I'll be loving him. Yeah. 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 It softens his heart. You know, it just gets real tender. But I want you to join me next Friday and Saturday. Put it down. If you're in the Chicago area, the Chicago land area, you tell all your friends. I want you to pass it along, pass it along, and pass it along. Go to Eventbrite or go to the website. She'll give us all that information later. But I need you to understand that prophetic ed means more than education. But you're going to have to show up to find out what else it means. Uh-huh. Amen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. You got something? You got circles. I see circles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does, she does blue. You do circles. I do. Oh, oh, you know what? My old Tyler is over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So many things on leadership. Didn't we need it? Uh, yes. And this is a class you go back and listen to several times because it's impossible to get everything the first time, which would be pretty much every broadcast you do. But when you were talking about that fluidity of leadership, mm-hmm. and um, people who like fluidity call consistency boring. They do. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting gauge to use. And even as a leader, that can be challenging mm-hmm. when, especially when you're in a type of collaboration yes. with other leaders and other peers uh, where they're contributing ideas and insights that they have, and then having to determine, and we all you know, have gone through this over the years in our department, and you have to determine, is that something I should implement, mm. or is that ultimately actually going to start steering this thing in a different direction? which may not necessarily be a bad direction, mm-hmm. but it's not the mandate yeah. direction. And measuring those things up, I mean, that, that's probably one of the biggest learning curves. Mm-hmm. But then again, that ties to what you talked about, about the mentality of leadership versus just the training. Mm-hmm. Well, the training says, and the training says, and it, you know, when you see things on television where the rookie gets out there, mm-hmm. they only know the book. Only the book. And they're thrown in with the seasoned person, and you can see why. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're going to quote the book, and the seasoned veteran is going to tell them how it is. Yes. <laughs> and, and how, when they wrote that, this is what they thought yes. over here. Yes. And no, no, but now is not the time to quote me line <laughs> E of page 110 out of this section. Yes. We're about to go into a real living, fluid situation, <laughs> but we have these rules that have to be in place. And uh, you just talking about the man, I was going back to my mind. I was like, so many lessons mm-hmm. over the years. Asking yourself, are you a leader? Are you emotional? I mean, that piece, that was also another hard lesson that we had to learn coming up. Why are you choosing this person to be a leader? Mm-hmm. Once we were put in place as leaders, and even when you were choosing us as leaders, which initially was not your original idea. There were other people around who just didn't want to do the job. They and, were. They were the aspirers. They were the aspirers, the mimickers. Well, this is what we think, this is what we saw. Well, I picked this person because I like them. We're friends. Mm-hmm. We're symbiotic. We get along. Uh, you know, they're really talented. They don't talk back. They, they don't challenge me. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because sometimes that one that challenges you the most, whew, that's not for the job. All I can tell you is my daughter. 
And we are so good together, Sherry. Yes. yes. But boy, oh boy, she's got her mind, and I wanted to hear it. Because if you don't let people talk back to you, you don't know what they're thinking. So sometimes you might let us let might need to let them get it out. Mm-hmm. So you could evaluate, see which is really in there. You know, this one. Same thing. She's gonna say it. Let's be gone. And you know what? I'm I was I was strong enough and secure enough in my leadership to let it come out yeah. and to deal with it out in the open. Mm-hmm. It was better that way than you walk or acting out. See, sometimes you people are acting out because you won't let it out. Yeah, you know. And then people can surprise you in a good way. Yeah. Right. Like, I had no idea. Well, that's how I that's knew you all were leaders. I knew who she was, and she didn't even know who she was. Remember, you first came, we were doing Let's Just Talk. And uh, and so and I knew it came out of a spirit because see there are things that come out of the mind, come out of the heart, come out of the soul, and come out of the spirit. And you need to know the origin. So we were in our let's just what she did. Right. You guys can act. I mean, you knew that, right? These things that come out of the mind. Oh, I should have been listening to their spirit. Well, what, no, but what, what, what the charismatic does is only want to listen to the spirit. Yeah. But even. No, yeah, right. But anyway, yeah, so, and, and so we were having a class on the Lord Jesus, and people were telling us, you know, about Jesus and culture and how certain things. And this one pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, I know, but as I was reading my Bible this week, it said that Jesus walks alone. Everybody in the room goes, and she's, she, she's still a saint. She's not even, you know, she, she just got here. And I'm like, did that just come out of her mouth? And you know what? But I banked it. <laughs> I said, aha, I heard you, uh-huh. I got you, and I'm coming after you. You don't even know what you just said. Yes. You don't even know what you just did to yourself. Yes. <laughs> and then this one, so you can see how much I stay with what my people reveal. So this one, we're having a training. She may be, you know, good old AG girl. She can spell profit, and that's not all, you know. Can I? You weren't even sure about that. <laughs> and she's sitting there, and we're reading the prophets, and we're discussing them, and she talks about Ezekiel 9. I looked at her, I said, the AG people teach is this your not? <laughs> no, no, they didn't actually. I just did and read it. No, now, I happen to like that. I mean, their people are educated. I love it. You know, and most of them, I can tell you right now, I don't have a problem with denominations. They educate their folks. Right. However, they just cut off, you know, some of what God wants to do. <laughs> so I'm going to need to keep the two ends of the bread on it. So I said to her, so I wanted to know. She knew what she was talking about. But yeah, I know the man with the acorn. Now, I didn't know what it really meant. <laughs> but I knew it was really serious. And, you know, after I learned, I couldn't find it for years. It wasn't until I met Dr. Price. She told me where it was. I was like, I've been trying to find that for years. Yes. But she remembers it. So there are, there are <laughs> echoes and resonances of the prophet spirit or what your, your leadership spirit in your people. And you have to listen. That is why being a leader who never sits down with your people will always handicap you. You must sit down with them. You must listen to them. And you must listen and not always be teaching. Sometimes you know, so people sit down. You, they don't want to come to you because they have to be drowned about with your experience. And sometimes you just have to sit down with them and let them talk to hear what God is percolating in them. Because mm-hmm. there's a percolation happening. You know, and you, you wait till the percolation is gone. Talking about, all I know is that I'm the head man. I'm the set woman. I don't care about that. I need to get a thing done. And if I have to keep telling them that all the time, I got the wrong people or I'm manifesting the wrong thing. Amen? Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. Much of what we call liberty is rebellion. 
Yeah. <laughs> when you talked about, though, you said um, using some legalism, you don't have a law degree, you know, whatever. What exactly does legalism mean? We it, know what, what people say when they say it is, I'm restricted. Yeah. Like, it's just a whole bunch of rules with no meaning behind it. Academically, it means that which is, comes out of or is part of the legal system. So there's a legalism has to have a system. Without a system, we're not going to talk about Okay? So, but when the people in the church say it, there's more of what they call antinomialism, which is against the law. And a lot of people are against lawfulness, period. These are, mm. And if you track their lives, they were rebels all their lives. They were nonconformists all their lives. They always painted outside the lines. They always moved outside the box. And they always did it to the, to the detriment of establishment or peace or, or, or civility or anything like that. So when people say legalism, they're, they're going after the one person, because everything starts with one. You track that thing back, you're going to find out where it began. But they're going after the one person who hated to be told what to do and who hated that to change or conform. Wow. So their mind changed, but conformance is a big issue. And so when they talk about what well, this is legalistic, they're going back to the Old Testament, which they think the Old Testament is legalistic, or the Ten Commandments. You know, and I often say to them, first of all, the Old Testament, quote, unquote, which there's no such thing in God, but we'll go with that. There, there is, right. God doesn't have an Old and right. New Testament. That's why Jesus spoke when he was young and then said something else when he got old. Come on, somebody. That's ridiculous. So, well, that doesn't sound like that. Old Testament, well, you put young it like Jesus. That? <laughs> and so... Well, you know, now it does. The world thinks, thinks God's old. God can't age. Age is because aging means he's dying. So that's why God can't be old. So you got the Michelangelo and all of that other, you know, medieval art with God being old. He can't old because old means aging. Aging means dying. That's why he's the ancient of days and not the old man in heaven. First of all, hold on. I want to go to this point. She said, and I don't know if anybody else noticed she skimmed past it. Jesus came in the form of a man, yeah. not as a man. Yeah, he did. That's why he was the son of man. The son of man, in Jesus' mind, is the, the, uh, the humanoid side of God's creation. Son of Adam is the mortal. So God had to put sin on him to kill him. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, Jesus would still be running around talking about one day I'm going to have a church. One day. We One day we're going to have a people named after this. One day we're going to do that. Because there was no church. We act like there was a church when Jesus came. Right. There was no church. There was a nation. But isn't that where that whole church that Walsh thing came from? Is when the church was first started, they would met and they gathered and they did whatever, but they didn't actually have a alternative. No, they had no alternative because all of the temples and edifices at that point belonged to pagan deities right. because they all of them belonged to the state. Because at that time, state and religion were one and the same. Mm-hmm. So that's the way, you know, and that's what people are fighting today. Well, I don't want the state to dictate the religion. Well, you're not doing well. The flesh is not doing any better. Yeah. Okay? So, I mean, yeah. look at where we are right now. Okay? Irreligious as we've been. You're still not any better. Families destroyed. Communities destroyed, yeah. you know, nation destroyed, folks not making money. So how how much better did you do? You know, I always like that the replace. You know, the people who want to replace always think they're gonna, you know, I'm gonna be the panacea to make it all happen. But 
but when you think about when you think about church and you think about legalism, when the church was born, the church was born a civil entity, a nation. It was not born a congregation. It was not, and that's the breakdown that God had. The church was not was not born a congregation. It was born under a nation. These were Jews who were in a nation. We teach the Bible and we teach the Old Testament as if it was a type of church that existed before Christ. It was a nation. It was a country. It had civil laws. It had leadership. It had government. It had all kinds of policies. It was a theocracy, supposedly. The church itself was not in existence. And when they were born, the population began with a nationality, not a statement of faith. The church was born a nationality, a nation of kings and priests unto our God. That's the church without walls, kings and priests, offspring of the Godhead. That's what without walls meant to God. But then God said, <laughs> not a physical address. No. Okay, no, 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 no. The address is your entity. You were the address. Holy Ghost, go to that address. Call Nicodemus. Go to that address. Call, you know, Paul or Saul or whatever. Go to that address. Uh, uh, Cornelius, go to that address. You know, that was what that was. But those, nobody was the, the physical edifice or even a phys- physical meeting place was not a big deal. Right. Because it was all about how we showed up as Jesus Christ in the flesh. It was all about that. And, and everybody agreed because at that time it was still close enough to his era for everybody to agree this is God and this is And then God raised up, well, he actually did it through his apostles because those churches, were the, the church was born to apostles. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shut up, it was born to apostles. It was born under their custodial care. It was born under their, their stewardship. It was born under the apostles. It wasn't born under pastors. Because the minute we got pastors, we then had to go work on our congregations and then working on edifices. Because every pastor had to put their people well, somewhere. Because they're growing. They're getting big. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's not act as if we were born congregational. We were not. We were born as a nation. And we were born, our nationality became that of Jesus Christ. Because nationality comes from the spirit realm. Because the spirit of the child comes from the father's sperm. So it fits. Did you like that? Like she's gonna be on television. Yep, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have a blast. But I want you to get that. See, the spirit, the, the father gives the child their spirit. The mother gives the child the, their soul. So when people are getting saved, they're getting saved in the bride of Christ. So that is why your soul must be worked on, because it was the soul that killed Jesus. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, and then to Satan, I'm coming. (laughs) The rest of us know in the grave, I'm done. But God did not allow him to decay because he did not want Jesus' physiological structure to become part of the ecology of the earth. Thank you, because Abel's blood was still crying. Jesus. Oh, I got to lean back on that. I lean back. 
you know, been well. Baby, okay, people would have sat at that grave watching <laughs> Rick Martin set in that man's pool and God had to send an angel to keep them from stealing his body. Because yeah. he yeah. said, I'm not done with it. I'll be yeah. back. I'll be using this. I need this. Where's my body? <laughs> and the grave robbers, because you know, grave robbers, yeah. the great men of God, oh, yeah. great prophet called the Messiah, we killed him. And if we wait a couple of days, we're going to have him. Some people on the dead bones of the prophet. And, I mean, and he was a sick prophet. Yeah. Sick dead bones. So, that, I mean, that is a very powerful thing. So, God did not want the body of Jesus Christ to be a, the physical body or literal body of Jesus Christ to be assimilated in earth ecology because it would alter the planet very differently. If his blood failed, hey, would it start to reverse the curse that God put in the planet because his body was in there? Would you I, I, well, I think that whatever happens to a body that dies in the earth, which we say plagues it, etc., his would do the opposite. Right. But maybe not. And I'll tell you why I question it. Because God put sin on us. Um, okay. Okay. You could say that. Well, he was—he was the no, 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 no. He right he, because it was his fallen flesh that his know. fallen flesh. So really, okay. Jesus is like, but I, I, I'm going to need that again. <laughs> but still, I need. It. <laughs> okay, I'm not done. Where's your part? Where's my body? <laughs> okay. And so, and, and you got these angels are sitting here now, and they're making sure that his body remains safe while he's in hell doing battle with darkness and bringing out the righteous. Because he had to be born again in hell. What was born again in hell? What couldn't be born again on earth? And that's his soul. Because hmm. uh-huh. his spirit came from heaven to hell to get him. So when he came back, did he not have a spirit? Yeah. And he was born again from the spirit of holiness. Oh. God, the Holy Spirit went. See, they changed it to holiness. He wasn't there. The Holy Spirit came from heaven to get him. Jesus. Oh. And to bring oh. his spirit, oh. his oh. eternal spirit, his God spirit, down to get him. Because the, the body without the spirit is dead. So the Holy Spirit had to bring Jesus' spirit to the pit of hell for Jesus to be born again. That is how he quickened his mortal soul or his death. Come on, somebody. See, we playing with this thing called salvation. We don't have a clue. We trashing this thing called salvation. We play with this. She said we trashed it. We trashed it. Ah, this is amazing. It's an amazing story, but because we keep talking, we do all of these grinning Jesus, cheeky kind of silly things. We don't tap into it. Because it's done. And most of those things I can't watch because they're too wimpy. I was like, you understand, this is the most potent Story. It's cosmic. It's alien. It is, I mean, it's a galactic. It's everything you're looking for in this little book called the Bible that nobody wants to read and everybody wants to play with. Well, because they shut down the agents with the clearance. Yeah. They actually get clearance. Yeah, we know you have clearance. <laughs> I got clearance. I go There's levels that people don't know exist. I know. I'll be running through the archives like, come on, Jesus, let's talk about this. And if I don't, he said, come on, I want to tell you something else. We sit down, and he just tells me what is going on. Sometimes he does it verbally. Other times he just does it by his mind. But we just talk. And I was, because I, I, I want to know. See, I didn't read my Bible to find out how many errors were in it. Oh, my. 
See, you don't you don't get God's revelation because you're too busy searching for the errors and searching for the humanity and searching for the things that discredit him. Me, I didn't. I said, well, God, I put out work with typos, but that didn't discredit the work. you have been conformed and converted mm-hmm. and believe in it 
believe in those standards. We, we have to find people who believe this is how it should be done and not just regurgitate what you said when it's time to perform. Exactly. Or take the pieces of it that they like, that they find easy and trouble-free. You know, most uh-huh. people are inherently lazy because we are overwhelmed in our planet. So we are not looking to take on more than we have to. That's just the way it is. But when I think of a follower, and I, I, I test followers all the time, they still get tested. Because, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, they, when you sit them out in the field, they can come back with all kinds of, oh, Jesus. Like, what? No, don't bring that here. You know, <laughs> don't bring that in my house. Don't bring that in my house. I'm so serious. But I, I think yeah. you brought up something that's important, and I want to go back over it, and that is when you said agreement. You know, we teach agreement is okay, I don't disagree with you. So obviously the only alternative I have is that I agree with you. But I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to do it my way because we're different. And see, God does not really put different people like that. He may put different physiological beings together, but, but spiritually and psychologically, even experientially, there's a, there is a, 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 a uniformity, a cohesion of DNA that God uses, which is why when you start really moving with the person that God put with you, one can say it, the other will finish it, one will see it, the other will describe it, and on and on and on. So when God puts it together, that whole idea of individuality only applies to the flesh. Because as young as they were when they came, the older people who were with me were giving me a fit. They had too much religion, too much church, too many conferences. I'm not quite sure what it was. But they had too much of it, too much. And so they were always competitive and rivaling. When, you know, there's something about the young, you know, the first place. There's nothing that I got to scrub off. And so, but, but they still talk the same language. They, like they, they did, even their answers, they, they answered out of their spirits, they answered out of their heart. They didn't have a clue. It took me like 20 years to get it to the brain. Over okay. here. Okay. Well, actually, it didn't take that long. Because you all started kicking in about maybe yeah. the eighth year. You know, mm-hmm. I was excited. So, 12 years. She's not even. 15. But but the point is, even along that way, God was having their spiritual outbursts mm-hmm. reveal them. Because God has those spiritual outbursts where you say something and 10 years later somebody said, remember you said, no, I never said that. I could have said that because I don't even know that. Yeah, but I have it written or I have it recorded. Because God will show you as a leader who your people are, not by their constant conversation, because they don't have that, that intellectual capacity yet, but he will show you by their spiritual communication. And they're very different. And when that leader passes that down, we were, I was in a B2B a couple months ago, and one of the teenagers was in the group with their grandmother, and she just started answering the questions. It was hysterical because, and one of the kids that grew up, uh-huh. and she was just nailing it. And so the other people, especially a lot of our come homers, were like, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> and I was like, man, the program works. Yeah. When you have a leader who takes it with the integrity that you handled it with, and puts it in that department, and then puts it in the children, and they're 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. and they can break it down and answer the comprehensive questions that are not just regurgitate what you just read. Oh, yeah. It's my fault to see it in action. 
I'm excited. And not only that, the program works because teams are very symbiotic, which means they will follow the leader. When I, when we, at our Sunday meetings, when we go over those calls and we go over the team's responses to the calls, yes. I'm like, but this person just got here. How did they get that nail like that? You know, this team just got it. Why? Because the program works if you want it to work. But again, most of you all have been trained by the secular educational system, which means question everything, believe nothing, challenge what was before you, and then change it to what you like. That is not how I learned Christ. I did not learn him that way. I did not go to him that way. Therefore, he doesn't have a problem being very honest with me, but he's also very open. Because he knows he doesn't have to prove his existence to me. That's dumb. He doesn't have to prove his righteousness to me. I'm subtle. You're right. Everything else is wrong. You're saying the rest of the world is crazy. All right. Got that. What's that out? And so I don't have those handicaps about Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to keep reminding me, well, you know, I'm God. Well, you know, I'm the creator. I'm like, I'm looking at your stuff thinking, ooh, you are something else. But I, I appreciate him. So I do have interactions with the living God. I don't have interactions with doctrine. I don't have interactions with theology. I don't even have interaction with worship songs. Because some of you all are so hooked on the worship music, yeah. you can't get the object of the worship down there. That's why you got songs that don't make sense. Because you have been worshiping the song. Wow. And the singers. Some of you God give more reverence to the singers than you do Jesus Christ. But I wanted him. To know, and I still do. And so we talked. First, I didn't know God was so personable. When he first, and when he started like really being himself, I was like, "Wait a minute, this is what?" Isn't that what you said? You were like, "Jesus," because you're thinking, "Because I want him to act like Pastor Jesus in church on Sunday." And he started acting like King Jesus, and then he starts acting like the Son of Man, and Um. that's where people miss it. Um, I also love the piece about trained leaders. Uh, you can have a trained leader that's not an instinctual leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was a very good distinction uh, to make. Because, you know, the, the question of the message when we first started out is, you know, are leaders born or made? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a classic discussion that, that everyone's having you know, mm-hmm. in terms of leadership, what goes into leadership. Um, so I thought that that piece was really interesting um, in you tying it to how we're installing leaders mm-hmm. in our churches. You know, um, the picture that you painted about validity and emotion, I think, really explains why we as a church are are as off kilter as we really are. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so emotions-based, yeah. which means that we're choosing leaders based off of those emotions. Um, and those leaders are influencing their people, as you just discussed. Everything you, everything uh, comes down from the leader. Mm-hmm. So if you have these leaders, Leadership, they're seeming training because see now we're really big on leadership training. Now mm-hmm. we'll do that in yeah. the church, um, but not paying attention to who's instinctual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we're not paying. We don't have a good screening program. Mm-hmm. Our screening program is still yes. sensation, sensational, yeah. anointed, everything fluid, everything yeah. liquid. Yeah. You can't measure that. Right. You know, you can measure four grams of. Right. True. You can measure that. You can put four ounces of water and you turn around and freeze it. You got something else. You boil it, you got something else. Mm-hmm. Sand is sand. Yeah. It gets heavier the more you wet it, you know, and I'm using sand, but whatever whatever mm-hmm. your solid there it is. And I think that's the other piece okay. is that you, you know, because we're fluid, you choose fluid leaders because you want a leader that can gel with you. Yeah. And then leaders want followers that can, well, gel with them. And so 
but there's nothing, no parameters to hold that together. It's just water. You know, a body of water, if it's blue over here, it's going to be blue here and blue here. You know, you can't put different pieces of water in stuff. And I think that's the point we have to get to. We are going to have to decide whether or not we want to have people um, leading by their heart only or leading by their fluidity, which is, which is really simply saying their preferences, their likes and dislikes, yeah. or do we want people leading by what succeeds mm-hmm. and a measurable success at that? Well, I think that that piece that you talked about with the fluidity of the emotions piece, the, the leading by the heart then says that anything that's paid for is wrong. So if, if I'm creating offense to people, that's wrong. You know, so in other words, but the solidarity sees wisdom even mm-hmm. in offense, right? Offense. Because we're in that, we're, that's where we are. You know, you, I just love how you paint that picture of fluidity because if, if, if everything's based on emotions, which is kind of what we've been dealing with with the church, then we have this thing where we're too afraid to offend people and everything's based on just preventing offense. Mm-hmm. Everything preventing offense, so there's not a lot of truth being taught. Because well, if I teach that strand of truth, that might offend someone. So the solidarity says there's wisdom in mm-hmm. offense. Like you might be offended, but will you change? Mm-hmm. You know, if, is this, is that offense going to provoke you mm-hmm. to actually convert? Is it going to provoke you to be like Christ? I'm willing to take the risk. So the solidarity says I'm going to take the risk. The fluidity says nothing painful is good. Mm-hmm. So I've, I thought that, that is really powerful. That's, but that's a good. That's very good that you brought that out. And I'll tell you why I like it is because. You're right. When it comes to the emotions, because we are in an emotion-based society, and every every structure now has had this fluidity seep into it. It's a deceit that just endless. And so every structure, you can't correct your child because right. they're offended. Well, right. but, but 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 let me under, let me just say this: the thing that caused the correction was offensive. How about that? See, we yeah. never, you know, we don't that, go back to the see see because Barry's gonna go to the root. What's the foundation of this? What is this foundation made of? What is this ground made of? What is the root of this tree? And so, you when you start making things about the population, there can never be right or wrong because people feelings are different from person to person, but they can also be different from moment to moment. Yes, you can get a bad a phone call or a good phone call, and it alters your emotions, which will alter your sentiments and thus your feelings and your reactions. But when you're dealing with the, what this is, this is what it is. This is how you put a building up. This is what you do here. These are the pipes. These are the wires. These are the, the you know the, the water. This is the roof. This, that's solid. And and so you got to move around the pipes, move around the water, uh, the, uh, the uh, the wires. But we have to think about that because. You can't trust children. The Bible said the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know? These people who are telling us what they feel in their heart, they could be wrong in them own selves. They don't have to be right because they don't know their heart. They don't know their heart. That's why they keep doing you know, nonsensical or detrimental things. So you're, we have to assume. See, solidarity is there. But you have to assume what people tell you they feel in their heart is yeah. what they feel because people can claim offense as a defense against what you're saying. People can claim offense because you hurt their feelings, but you hurt their feelings because you stopped them from doing something they want. So I need to know the motive of your offense. If you are offended by what I'm saying, I'm going to ask you, so what is the root of that? Right. Because I think we need to, yeah. I think we need to explore that at another time. Maybe that's bringing in the logos. I mean, that's what you're talking about. All right, let's mm-hmm. pull this. Even our assessments measure emotional intelligence and your emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. 
say, well, but you have no maturity in this area. No. Whatsoever. And we know that people who are immature just react. They do. And you also have people who are immature, no experience, or no education, because an uneducated heart is just as dangerous as an uneducated head, and maybe more so. And so we don't do a lot to educate the heart. Only when you look at it, God educates the heart. He starts with the heart because that's the first thing that shows up. Mm -hmm. So he's going to start with the heart. But we have to find out if you're offended because it reminded you of something that was offensive. I've had people who I'll say so and so, you remind me of my mother. My mother said, I'm buying that in the name of Jesus because I'm not your mama and I'm going to need you to come out of domestic zone and let's get back into ministry zone. I'm going to need you to be over here with intelligence. And not because you're holding a grudge against your mom or your dad or your first boss. I remember my first teacher. See, I need to, I explore it. I'm telling you all who are leaders right now, start asking people, why is that offensive? What what did it bring back? Because sometimes you're getting castigated and you're getting battered over a bad memory. You know, I remember, I mean, you think about a lot of leaders, how are you abusing people because you were abused in high school or you were abused in school? So we have to really understand if you want to go fluid and if you want to go emotional, we're going to have to be a lot more interrogated about why you're doing this. Because I'm telling you, you, you go and you make all of those changes, they get over that moment and forget that they nailed you on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And often deny it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know. Oh, no. never. oh you misunderstood I would never. Oh, and I'm thinking, I got you on tape, baby. You just that. <laughs> Daggers out. So you have to remember, because people, I mean, hair trigger emotions have a whole lot of pain and trauma and suffering attached to that. And you might be tapping a, a literally tapping an experience or tapping an episode, and they are responding to the present from that recall. And you can't keep doing that. That is why our country is where it is. That's why they keep making the movies they make, so they can keep you locked into right. your pain, locked into your displeasure, locked into your discomfort, so that it can always be reminded. Those movies and those shows and all of that violence and all of that sex and all of that terror, that's about reminders. Mm. <laughs> it's not about entertainment or artistry at all. It's about reminders. We got time for one more. Time to go into to the, um, okay. Um, well, the one more. Okay. You I talked sure, about. Sure. Uh-huh. You talked about uh, which I thought was so powerful. Us drenching the pillars. Um, uh, yeah. I just loved that. I, I thought that was so important. You know, to show what fluidity has. Mm-hmm. Done. You talked about how you know water damages. Yep. You know, it, it destroys. Um, and, and, and putting all of that fluidity into mm-hmm. our structure of leadership that we literally have, have lost all of our framework. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally uh, saw just pillars floating mm-hmm. around. You know, um, when you have that, you have no sense of what, what's right, what's wrong. You know, there's just no sense of that. So I thought that was really powerful. Uh, <laughs> your quote about standing in a field and calling it a church. I mean, that, <laughs> the whole thing about that piece about, you know, the fact that buildings protect. And, mm-hmm. and building shield. I love how you bring the, you bring logic that we use everywhere mm-hmm. else, 
for everything else mm-hmm. and show how we literally dismiss logic when we're, when we're talking about our Christianity and our Christ. Yeah. Um, and it's just so important that we, we, we bring that logic back. That's what I've, I've, I've always loved about your teaching, the logic, the intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about getting caught up in groundless rhetoric and mm-hmm. us needing to dismiss that. So I thought that, that was a really powerful piece of today, yeah. the devil using our, our immaturity and our gullibility to take us out. Yes. We have to be you here I am, devil, use me. Okay. Over here. But you know, uh Sarah, um Sarah, Hannah. Hannah after she uh got pregnant, she had the, they call it the magnificat, you know, from traditional religion. But she made a statement that I studied back in the eighties, nineties, and she said, But the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. Mm. So the more the populations increase and resist, the more they drench the pillars, and so they become soggy. And soggy means you're going to get mildew and musty and all of those kinds of things, and eventually dilapidation. And so we have to go back to what God established as the pillars of the earth, not just the north and south poles, you know, not just the compass, but the pillars, also meaning that which upholds the planet. That is what caused Moses to realize that when a nation gets too sinful, the planet, the ground will vomit them out. And that means the, the, the ground will kick you out of it through plagues, through um, blights, through barrenness, you know, through droughts and, and, and all of that. It will begin to put you out because the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And those pillars have spiritual guardians, not just um, political ideas or ideals. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, uh, uh, social beings. They're not beings. He said pillars of the earth. And I've studied that in our spiritual protocratics course. We do a lot of that kind of exploration. So when, when you begin to, to push back on the eternal beings that must make sure this exists in the next generation or for the next generation, then God's going to cut up. He's going, you're going to have problems with him because his word is not going to return to him void. And if he has to get, get rid of all of you to make sure that this exists for the generation that he has a promise for and a hope for, he's going to do it. Well, do you want to give some? Uh, well, we talked earlier about Dr. Price being on the Word Network and all the information that's going to come. We're going to post it on drpaulaprice.com, the Majesty. Majesty Now. Majesty Now. Um, and so, and then we'll also uh, make sure that you all can get links to the prophetic ad that's happening in Joliet um, next week. Is that next week? Yes. Next week. Yes. So she's going to be in the Chicago area uh, next week. I believe it's like the 17th to the 19th. So that's happening. That's happening now. So we want you to build a plan to be able to join us for that. So we'll put some links up on her social media. So so many of you guys follow her there on Facebook. We'll make sure that it's on Facebook that you know how to get involved with Prophetic Ed and Juliet because um, you don't want to miss that. So just want to reiterate those things. And we will have it on our, our website anyway because some of you all come and shop and whatever. You know, you're, you're putting some other stuff on. We have to talk about that next week, what you're doing with um, – with Amazon. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that next week. Okay. Make sure you put it in your notes. Yes, because, you know, God is spreading us out, and he's yeah. giving me such favor. As I'm closing out, I just want to say, family, my beloved, thank you. I want you to understand that it takes strength to deal with strength. And I understand that I'm very strong. I had to finally admit it. And, and, and I can be very tough. But you know what? You're with me because you're tough. And God gives 
his projects to the tough. Mm. See, when you read your Bible, God gives his projects to the tough. So if he has a, a maintenance project, if he has a restoration project or some sort of campaign, he needs us to be strong, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He didn't say be, be, be weak. He didn't say be weepy. He didn't say be wimpy. He said be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we're together because we are collectively strong and cohesively strong. And it's that cohesion that makes us work. So I want to keep thanking you. We're on the Impact Network. Why? Because you, you believe in me, and you want this strength to permeate throughout all the earth. We share the vision. We share our conviction uh, that this is needed. I just want to pray for you. I ask God to bless you. I ask him to bless your family, bless your heart, bless your courage. I ask him to bless your business. I'm asking God to bring your harvest, quicken your harvest, to hasten it so that you can begin to enjoy your rewards and rejoice and reap from what you have sown into my life and done for me. You all have no idea. I'm telling you. Every week, my strength, I mean, like Paul said, pray for me that I will speak the word of God as I are. Do you know I do this because you, you, you are making it so I can speak God's word as I ought to with all boldness, you. And I don't care what anybody says. They can talk whatever what they want to talk. I'm telling you, me, Dr. Paula A. I'm here because we are one. And we are a good one. We're a great team. And I'm going to say it over and over again. And if you get tired of hearing it, that's all right. Just skip over with the advance because I'm telling you, I tell you by the Holy Ghost, we're awesome as a team. We're great together. God bless you. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands for scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity. Until then, be prosperous, be powerful, but most of all, be the Lord's person. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.